the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Welcome in to New Focus on Wealth. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. Show dedicated to addressing wealth issues as we age and hopefully replace our income, not only with Social Security, but with an asset that you've accumulated over time called your nest egg. Hopefully, that's what the show is all about. On different days, it's going to take different forms. <clears throat> know that it's coming. Some days are going to be better. Some content is going to be uh, more applicable to you and your situation. I want to start with one of the things that I don't do often enough is talk about parental units, your mom and dad, and also talk about finances of your mom and dad. One of the things I've come to learn time and time again is that we as a society have no problems sharing our lives a little bit too much with each other. Um, and typically only the good things on Facebook, right? One of the things we as a nation need to do a little bit better is talk about money. I could give you hundreds of examples, and yet <clears throat> it's not what I want to talk about right now. I want to talk about NVIDIA. I want to talk about Apple Computer and what Bill Gates is invested in and why. Um, but a great reminder hit me recently. Went outside uh, to deal with a couple issues. And saw a neighbor, and she kind of flagged at me. We stayed socially appropriately distanced apart, and she started telling me about something that had just happened to her. Um, she got a phone call that her Amazon account had been compromised. So instantly, she takes it. They say, go to your computer now. Um, <clears throat> download this app, and we will you know, fix the situation as best we can. So she does it. And many times during the story, you're going to say, who does that? So she downloads an app. The people on the phone tell her, uh-oh. Um, <clears throat> you know, we don't see the full number there. Give us your full credit card number and the number on the back and your zip code, and we'll fix the situation. So she does it. She's a little bit on the older, I'd say 66, 67, somewhere in that neighborhood. She's not terribly old. She's not senile. She's not the brightest bulb. But are you kidding me? You downloaded an app, and then they can't get all the information because it is encrypted on your computer somehow, some way, some shape, some form. So they say, give us your phone number. <clears throat> give us the numbers of the cards. So she does it. And they go, oh, no. We can't fix it right now. So what we need you to do is go to your local CVS, Rite Aid, Safeway, and buy gift cards. Keep us on the phone. Don't hang up. And whatever you do, don't tell anyone about this because we need to do this privately. Otherwise, we won't be able to help you. Now, does she hang up? No. She puts the, you know, she keeps them online. Goes into a CVS, 
<clears throat> buys gift cards. The person on the end of the phone says, go to your car and read us the scratch off the back and read us the numbers. So basically she activates the gift cards. Then they go, oh, that didn't work. You need to go to another store. And keep in mind, the whole time, you know, she is getting emails from her credit card company. In this case, it happens to be USAA. That's not a judgment on them. Just giving you a good example of um, they were contacting her. They were telling her, um, your limit's been reached, and we can't approve anything more. Fortunately, I won't jump to the conclusion here, but her limits were $4,000 on her credit card. But she bought gift cards, and she scratched them off, <clears throat> thus invalidating them for any possible return. In her mind, in the store's mind, we've never had to deal with this in our life, have we? So it gets to the point where she goes to another store, and a store manager says, are you on the phone right now? Why are you buying you know, six or seven cards? And she goes, no. And he goes, hang up the phone. <clears throat> she hangs up the phone, and the store manager goes on to tell her, you're the third person in here. You're being scammed. Now, what's fascinating about this is third person that day. So somehow, some way, some shape, some form, and I don't know how any of this works, more so than you do, um, a group of hackers, according to her, they had a, I hate saying this, but a Middle Eastern accent. I was going to say European, but let's try to be as specific as we can. And she fell for it, hook, line, and sinker the complete way. Every step of the way, downloading an app onto her computer, <clears throat> getting the information, never stopping, never questioning, never hanging up. Um, you know, the first thing I would have told her, and I'm trying to be very sensitive here. I know she doesn't listen to the show, which is good. First thing I would have told her is like, hang up the phone and say, I'll call you back. And her whole problem would have been fixed right there. But she didn't have the common sense. But no, she has common sense. She didn't have the ability to kind of decouple herself from a stressful situation. And the guy on the other end of the phone sounded like a legit authority and oftentimes told her, don't do it. Otherwise, you'll lose more money. And she got panicked. She got into a tizzy. I'm not sure if tizzy is a, a unified, accepted word, but you get the idea. So she spent the whole weekend trying to fix her credit issue. Now, I have a lot of sympathy here, and then I also have a lot of common sense here. One of the things that I'm going to want you to do is reach out to a neighbor who's older or a parental unit who is older and just start recognizing that they can't read as well as they used to be able to, that sometimes they're lonely. My mother, we had to take away her credit card many years ago due to the fact that when we put her in a nursing home, basically after my father died 20 years ago, all she would do is sit in front of the TV and watch QVC. And it's a very curious situation on why would a grown person watch hours and hours and hours of QVC, Home Shopping Network, again, not passing any judgments, but why would they? And the answer is they get lonely and they start thinking the TV's talking to them. In this case, a salesperson <clears throat> selling papal pens. Now, this is fascinating. The radio station that I work with, the radio group that I work with, they have a very conservative branch. They have got a religious branch, and they've got a business talk radio branch. I think I'm saying that correctly. But my mom's not <clears> – <throat> she, she wasn't Catholic. She was Catholic growing up, <clears throat> but she kind of lost it. 
back in the 70s, 80s, stopped going to church. So here she is at Home Shopping Network, and a sales lady comes on and goes, look, the Pope's coming to America. We've created these once-in-a-lifetime papal pens, and these papal pens are $49.99 for three installments, 130 bucks or something like that, right? And mom bought 10 of them. And again, I'm not against papal pens, <clears throat> a little pendant that shows you Pope coming to America in the year. It's a collector's item. They're rare. They're unique. They're a limited number. And the salesperson got my mom to part with a couple thousand dollars to buy papal pens. Again, not against papal pens, but I am against the simple idea that she wasn't that religious <laughs> later in life. And she certainly wasn't going out in public. And her search- kids certainly didn't want papal pens. So what the heck was she buying them for? Again, it's just a very constant reminder. You need to keep an eye on your parents' spending. If you can. And again, some people will be like, my mom and dad will let me see that. But even at one point in time, an insurance agent got a hold of my mom in her retirement home and convinced her to buy a life insurance policy for her daughter. Wouldn't you – you're 79 years old. You're 81 years old. You're 82 years old. Don't you want to like some comfort that when you pass your daughter will – and again, I'm doing a southern accent, a female southern accent in my head on the pitch that was given to my mom. I don't even think she got the insurance, to be honest with you. Like, I think it was full-on scam. But every month, $100 was deducted from her credit card. Get to reach out and talk to seniors, people who aren't good with money, people who have very limited choices. Try to take care of each other. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money investing, and more, with a new focus on wealth. Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money investing, and more. I pride myself on talking about creating wealth and helping you get to retirement. I don't know, uh, 20, 30 years ago, I prided myself on helping you pick tech stocks and growth stocks to get your portfolio supercharged ahead. Maybe my angle will change in the coming years. Um, Hopefully it does. But right now, I've got a big focus on getting us both to retirement so we can have a good quality of life in those golden years, putting a little shine back in the gold, so to speak. Anyhow, and anyway, um, let's get back into some content. So the first segment I talked about helping out your neighbor or your family members with financial issues, especially when it comes to fraud. But think of it in a funnier kind of way. Like um, You've seen natural disasters on a pretty regular basis. I've had in-laws' home spurned down. I'm like, do you want me to help you read the insurance contracts? Um, And it's kind of sad that – Living in California, I've gone through wildfire season enough times now that I, I know people, numerous people, three to five people, families who have had homes burned down. And sadly, one of them was bragging about you know, getting more money in the insurance claim than he rightfully deserved. <clears throat> and to him, it was, let's get back at the system. So he kind of told me or implied to me that he – added another $400,000 roughly onto his claims that weren't appropriate. 
And I don't know how the whole insurance claim system works. I've gone through it enough times that I can't tell you on the back end, on the front end, on the middle end. I can't tell you where the losses are absorbed. I'm not a CFO of an insurance company in any way, shape, or form. Um, but I've seen that. I'm not going to say to each their own, but it's unfortunate. But I've helped in-laws with insurance claims. Um, I don't have any special expertise on it. Um, I've helped in-laws with routers. And I don't have a lot of expertise with routers, but I've helped. Um, one of the big stories out there right now is it's, it's a regular story, and it's an investable story is how many computers in America and businesses get hacked and compromise your information. Um, I was on my Apple phone maybe a month ago, and my Apple phone blurted out that 43 of my accounts have been compromised in a recent hack. And I was like, who got hacked? Did Apple? They wouldn't tell me. Was it my bank? Who? <clears throat> how were 43 accounts? <laughs> I mean, I don't... I probably don't have 43 separate passwords for 43 separate, but I have a password locker. And how, like, how did they get hacked? No answer. Very quiet. No company wants to say they've been hacked. I don't know why. I, maybe I do know why, but um, it just seems unfortunate that it, it continually happens. Look at the top list of passwords. This ties into it. A password locker is a good idea. If you don't know the concept, look into it. Give yourself a little bit of time. Treat yourself with a little bit of respect. Um, <clears throat> the 20 most popular passwords, and some of them are pretty funny, like password123, of which I'm guilty of using it once. Uh, I worked with a media company that I don't check a lot of emails from the media company. And I thought it would be funny to make my password password one <laughs> exclamation point because that's what they gave it to me as. And I said, I'm just going to keep that. It's funny. And then I changed it after 90 days, 120 days to password two <laughs> exclamation. And it's ridiculous that I did that. But taking a look at the list of the most popular passwords, one, two, three, four, five, six is number one on the list. Seriously. Password number two of the most popular passwords is password. There's one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, or one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. There's QWERTY, one, two, three, password one makes the list, not surprisingly. Lemonfish, Sunshine, um, password with a capital P. Like, we are not a very innovative company, uh, country when it comes to coming up with passwords, are we? One story that caught my note recently that could teach you a little bit about investing to create wealth is looking at wealthy people. There's two really good examples. One of them is there's a PR press release on Bill Gates' investment company and how they sold shares of certain companies and bought other shares of companies. Now, that's actually an article I'll read only because I have time of the day, not because I want a great investment idea. But if there's a great investment idea that lies within that article, good for me. I lucked out. Um, <clears throat> and in the end, I'm not Bill Gates. I'm not Bill Gates' investment manager. I'm not trying to accomplish the same thing he's trying to accomplish. For me, I want to make my immediate circle, my immediate family, create enough wealth that we can live off till the day we die. 
I'm not big into expecting the state to bail me out and give me money in retirement or the federal government. I see them as both stretched and I can't, I feel that I can't count on it. So the goal of this show is to kind of replace the promise of social security with the reality of social security with the reality of my own asset in case the weekend social security isn't enough. But yeah, I will read that article that says something along the lines of Bill Gates makes investment decision different, but he's not me. Um, and I can't speak for him and he can't speak for me. Uh, does he want to leave his daughter? Who's like this incredible equestrian. Does he want to leave her money or not? Does he want to leave her a lot of money or a little bit? Um, for me, the, the purpose is just to get to death. That's my contentment. If I can get to death with paying all the bills that I want to pay, I think I did well. And that may mean a new computer. That may mean a new car. It may mean a new roof. We all have different things that we want to accomplish in our lifetime. So the other angle here is when I say take a look at what the wealthy are doing, it's not a bad idea. One of the wealthiest people on the planet, um, Warren Buffett, he slowly accumulated shares of investments in companies that had business models that were cash flow positive. I'm oversimplifying it. But that was something that he was very – was super important to him, that they have a lot of cash flow and that they're spending less than they're pulling out of the business model. So I'll, I'll study a little Warren Buffett. I'll study a little Bill Gates. I'll study a little Elon Musk. I'm not – when he bought – not he, when Tesla bought uh, Bitcoin, I'm not going to poo-poo it and say he's stupid because he's not. He's wealthy. He's, he's done something right. Now, again, I'm probably more of a Warren Buffett than an Elon Musk, but it doesn't hurt to take a look. Now, one other area that you could learn a lot from the wealthy is that they seem to be permanently rich. So if you know a person with a yacht who parties with fashion models and bottles of champagne on the yacht, they've probably been doing it a while and they'll probably keep doing it for a while. You can invest in champagne. It's not going out of business, not in good times or bad times. So uh, LVMH, good idea, bad idea, Louis Vuitton, luxury as an investment, copying the rich, it's not a bad idea. Consult a broker advisor for taking action on any stocks mentioned. I'm Rob Black. Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. One of the things I'm always constantly trying to do is learning a little bit more from the past. I saw a great quote on Bitcoin where an analyst said the best time to buy Bitcoin was yesterday. I'm not telling you to buy it. I'm not telling you not to buy it. That's not the purpose of the show. But I think that's a great quote that maybe you should let that bus pass or maybe you should have done it or maybe you still should do it. I think that that quote says a lot of things in it. It doesn't say I would never buy Bitcoin. It says the best time to buy Bitcoin, and you can stop right there. So there's something likable about Bitcoin. But then the guy says, yesterday. Like, oh, I get it. 
So one of the things I want to do is constantly look back. In 2020, the year of the pandemic, which is still startling to me that we as a nation can't agree on anything. Um, I had a friend sit there and tell me this weekend that I was crazy that to even consider getting a, a vaccination. And to my face, I, I, I said to the person, I go, my mom just died of COVID. She died in 2021 after getting diagnosed late 2020. She was in the ICU for two weeks, uh, up to a month. And then one month later, she's dead. And doctor said, clearly it was COVID. Autopsy shows that. And she goes, oh, no, 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 no. Your mom didn't die of COVID. She died of something else. And I just find that amazing that we can't agree on that, <laughs> right? Um, some people believe in flu shots. Some people don't. Some people believe in vaccination. Some people don't. It, to me, that's that says it all. So when I do a show dedicated to creating wealth, I know it's going to be controversial to some. It's going to be agreeable to others. It's going to be insightful to many. But I always like looking at the past um, while also taking a look at what's coming down the road as far as future technologies go to see if anything's disruptive. Uh, financial tech had a big year in 2020. Did financial tech have a bigger year than Bitcoin? I think it did. Um, financial tech would be the digitalization of all things financial, where you're starting to see more insurance companies come to the public and say, we're selling shares to the public of an insurance company that's only digital. We don't have sales agents. We don't have commissions. We have nothing like that. Um, now, how do they make their money? It deserves a little bit of research, right? It's like Robinhood. A lot of people are like, well, I can trade for free on Robinhood, and I think that's great. But there's a cost. Maybe it's how quickly your orders get executed. Maybe it's how quickly, if you're trying to buy 100 shares of Apple, let's say $200, and you only get it for 201 because they're taking 50 cents and they're sharing 50 cents with the person who's selling it. And you're like, I didn't know that was possible. It is. Um, so I think FinTech had a much bigger year, but the headlines were owned by Bitcoin, right? So I'm always going to be looking for stories from the past and the present and the future. Um, I literally do this all day long, and it's not fun. Um, in the sense of, I wish I liked the Raiders or the 49ers or the Giants. I wish that I could get lost in that, but I can't. All I see is money all day long. So looking back at 2020 again, um, I think one of the things that took people a lot by surprise is how can the economy be shut down and the stock market be hitting all-time highs? And it's not that hard. It's the money. Now, typically, we have businesses investing in you, their employees, and you get a paycheck, you go to work, you slog to work, you hate your boss, you go to TGIF Fridays on Friday night and drink one too many beers and hate on your boss a little bit. That's typically what drives our economy. But during a pandemic, we weren't doing that. We weren't working for anyone. We weren't going anywhere. We weren't spending money discreetly. Uh, not discreetly, but with our discretion is the right way of saying that. And it just, how, how did things hold up so well? And it was government spending. Now, when I was a little boy, I went to New York City. And there's that government debt clock. And it shows you how much debt the United States has. And it's jarring. When you see it as a child, it's like, 
what does a $295 billion, wait, wait, now it says $296 billion. Wait, wait, how do we pay that back? Because every couple of seconds, it's adding another billion to our debt. And then you go through the pandemic, and you're like, I don't even want to look at the debt clock. There was a point in time in 2000, and I remember this very, very clearly, where we got a lot of average investors invested through companies like E-Trade. Now, I don't want to say average investors. We got a lot of average people investing for the first time ever through companies like E-Trade. And I'm not knocking E-Trade. But back then, there was Goldman Sachs. There was Smith Barney. There was Prudential. There was only a couple places you can go buy stocks. And then we learned about the internet and email. Um, and we started buying stocks with E-Trade because we were able to say, okay, we don't need a broker to take us to play golf and say, hey, you know, now that we're on the 15th hole, you've had a couple beers in you. Um, I'm paying for this round. What do you think about buying some shares of XYZ.com? Or what do you think about buying HBO Company? What do you think about buying um, – that business model died in the early 2000s. But what happened with that is I think we created a very uneducated class of investors. And again, I'm not – I don't think you have to go to college to be an investor. But I think you have to have a little bit more than less of knowledge of what you're doing. Um, financial tech is changing that very aggressively. And I want you to always look into any sort of financial transaction and say, what's the cost here? Um, to get ready for this show today, I was reading some articles over the weekend, and one of them was about car companies and how the Biden administration can help the U.S. economy by stopping car dealers from marking up the loans. Not the car, not the dealerships, but the dealership when you go to buy a new car and you say, hey, I want to finance $60,000. They're like, well, we can get you financing at 1.9%. And they come back to you and they say, well, we can only get 2.9%. Sorry about that, but you want it? It's a pretty good deal. You want to sign it right now? And what happened was the financial company lent them money and said, hey, if you can get an extra 1% from them, we'll split it with you. And again, it's it happens anytime you think you're getting something for free, there's probably a catch. Is my, I guess my goal of the segment is it bad? Nope, not inherently. Is it evil? Nope. It's cost of doing business. If you're naive enough to think that that person as a family just spent two hours with you trying to set you up on finances from the goodness of his own heart or his boss is like, yeah, go spend two hours uh, talking with this person. You're, you're being foolish. So watch out for what we get and constantly try to educate yourself um, for car insurance and for Home insurance and renter's insurance. Um, I use and I will only use USAA or Geico for my insurance companies. I'm comfortable with them. I've used them for over 30 years. Uh, my father used USAA. Like there was never a bad complaint about how they do business. And one of the things USAA and Geico did was call centers. Early on, they decided, you know, we don't want the salesperson to get a commission and put pressure on you to buy something you don't want. We're here to serve and give money back <clears throat> at a reasonable rate of return to our shareholders and our investors. We're not looking to gouge. We're, not, we're looking for credibility, I think. Again, I'm giving a free commercial to <laughs> USAA, and I'm not trying to do that. Um, but it, it was the call center approach that worked for me. Now, I'm okay paying a reasonable amount. 
I don't have to get the cheapest insurance on the planet. For instance, when I was 18 years old and doing my own car insurance, there was a car company in the United, in uh, Washington, D.C. area, New York City area, called Cats Insurance. And it was spelled K-A-T-Z. And they had one of those commercials that was on late night, maybe during Letterman, maybe during Carson or uh, Jay Leno, whatever angle you want to take at this. But you would watch it and you go, like, Cats. And it would be typically a commercial like, oh, the captain's going to get you – uh, or the cat will get you insurance when your insurance company will, cancels you. Been in one too many vehicle accidents, we'll take care of it. Um, and it was this crazy promise. Now, again, I never want that. I don't want to somehow subvert the system with someone who's willing to give me insurance when no one else is willing to give me insurance. I just, to me, my sensors start beeping and go, be careful, be careful, be careful. You can't be that good. Just stay, you know, stay abreast of this stuff. As the 21st century, as 2020 goes into 2021, 2022, 2023, we've signed up for a lot of business models that we have to question. Should we be buying life insurance and, and insurance with an agent that is just uh, a digital helper? I don't know. I'm telling you that uh, it's a business model that isn't proven. And the only thing I can tell you is when Robinhood <clears> – <throat> For most of 2021, I'm sorry, for most of 2020, it looked genius. Uh, no commissions, but they were making money by selling your your buy orders. They were making money by getting you into margin. They are making money by getting you into trickier things like options. Now, again, I'm not thinking that the company had this group think of how can we take you, the listener of the Rob Black Show, how can we fleece them? It's just how their business model was set up. I don't think it was intended to hurt everyone, but I think there was a business model set up that they can capture some nickels and dimes. They didn't have to go for the big dollars. Um, now, I just, again, 2020, as I look back on it, and I go, I go, man, that IPO Lemonade did really, really well. And they don't have buildings. They don't have agents. It is all computer insurance-generated responses to your needs. And that sounds great. And I just hope that we don't have a story in 2021 or 2022 about how it didn't work out the way people wanted it to work out. Anyhow, talking about modern day problems, talking about your wealth. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about. Show dedicated getting you to retirement. Trying to give you a little strategery. A word that was made up that got blasted on television and kind of emblazoned itself in my brain. Strategery. When I say it, I kind of want you to stop and go, he's got that word all wrong. Now, what's he talking about? Talking about investing, talking about retirement, talking about creating wealth. If I could use a funny word to catch your attention, I'm okay with that. Um, one of the things I think, you know, we're ta I'm talking a lot about insurance today, am I not? Talked about how my neighbor got, uh, she did everything wrong when, 
uh, a scam artist contacted her and said, you know, your Amazon account has been compromised. Let her down a series of questions. And you know, when she was telling me the story, I kept saying, that can't possibly be true. No one would ever give them access to their computer. No one would give them the account numbers. You know better. You've heard stories. And she fell for it every single step of the way, even though she knew she was being scammed while she was being scammed. Her credit card company is going to make right and stop the overall fraud. Um, I don't know all the details. I'm happy when I did ask her a question. I said, was it a credit card or was it a a debit card? And regularly she said credit card. She never said debit card. I'm like, whew. So later that day I came in to talk to my spouse and uh, I'm like, give me your debit card. Let's, Let's destroy that right now. And she goes, no, no, no. I use my debit card to get money at ATM. So I'm like, really? Don't we live in a cashless society? Do you really need cash all that often? I'm like, how about you put it in the kitchen drawer and when you need it, you go get cash. So we kind of compromise there. Debit cards have unlimited exposure to if you get scammed, if you get hacked, everything in your bank account can be drained. I'm not sure why. I've never had enough intrigue to get an answer to this, but credit card companies will cover anything over 50 bucks or anything over $100, depending on your credit card. It's somewhere around that limit. So when she said that they got $4,000, her limit on her credit card was $4,000. And she's probably only going to be responsible for the first 50 to to $100. And then the credit card company will make her fill out paperwork. The credit card company will do an investigation. The credit card company will file it as loss. And next year, that credit card company will probably do something along the lines of um, offer more reliable people like myself credit cards knowing that they're going to get their transaction business from everything I use credit cards for. Uh, maybe they'll offer it to another, I'm not going to call her a wackadoodle. Uh, maybe they'll make another mistake and get it to someone who doesn't understand the security ramifications of passwords and keeping that information private. But it's all math. And I learned that sadly in a business class when one of my friends in college gave a presentation about how her friend um, who I didn't know had been bankrupt two or three times already by the age of 23 or 24. I'm like, how's that possible? That's not possible. Like, how would you get a credit card that fast? That's how it happens. Credit card companies know that you're going to have problems paying on time and they make money on that. I'm not saying that they're in some sort of weird collusion. Like they know that you are going to be, but I think that there's some truth to that. It's a numbers game. So I guess the, the final lesson of the day is, you know, debit cards, you have a lot of exposure to. Losing them, having them stolen from your uh, wallet, your purse, your mailbox. Credit cards, not so much. And that, I think that's one of the more shocking things that 25 years ago when I started doing Finance Radio is that I would say things like, I like credit cards. But the conventional wisdom is credit cards have a high interest rate, and they do. And I don't like – I never carry a balance month to month. Now, I'm very fortunate. I would classify myself – I'd classify myself as wealthy or responsible. Um, I never put groceries on credit. Actually, I will because I like the credit card points, but I always make sure to pay it off. And I'm like, ooh, my grocery bill of $2,000 this month feels really high. But if I was doing it on a weekly basis, you, you see where I'm getting at with it. 
credit cards aren't problems. Credit cards aren't evil. Credit cards are actually a great resource for points, for vacations, and a great resource for they do a good job of showing you what you're spending your money on. You can look at your statement every month online or you can import it into a, uh, an online budget tool where it's read-only, or there's no writing, there's no ability to steal your data. Um, or is there, right? What do you really know about what that flu vaccine you're putting in your arm? Um, it's got Bill Gates' medical information. Like, no, 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 no. So I'm a big fan of credit cards used responsibly. I have no problems with them. It's a tool. To me, it's like a mortgage. I have no problems with a mortgage. Some people are like, oh, you should only buy a house with cash. I'm like, that's not right. Here's a financial guy who talks about buying cars and homes with cash. And I'm like, who can do that? It, it, but what he's trying to say is, I know you're not reliable to service your own debt. Therefore, pay cash. And I love the idea. I just don't think it's re- realistic. When cars and homes keep going up in value and our wages aren't going up in value at the same level. I think a mortgage is an amazing tool. I think it was more amazing before the Trump tax cuts that took a lot of the deductions for mortgage interest away on more expensive mortgages. But again, most of America doesn't have a $700,000, $800,000 mortgage. So for me, it hurt. But for the average Americans, we didn't see that much. So I guess let's wrap up and say your credit card is a tool. Your mortgage is a tool. Use them responsibly. If you can't service your debt, don't incur debt. Don't keep adding to it. I know that's easy for you to say, Rob, I've been out of a job for six months. Still wrong idea is a credit card. Family members is much preferred to it than a credit card. So again, credit cards aren't bad. That was the whole point of the segment, right? Let's do them responsibly. Find me online at robblackshow.com. <laughs>